And then you got to be razor focused because if your goal is to buy real estate, okay, then every decision you make now till a year from now or whenever your, your, your date is should be, how does this affect my decision to buy real estate? So if you, you know, if you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Chipotle for lunch, well, you know what, you can make a you can make a sandwich for a quarter, you know, every single decision you make from there to year should be on how you're going to buy that piece of real estate. Don't kind of have to it. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota. And they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospects. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Welcome back to another edition of Hump Day Hustle, the show where we focus on business and real estate as our core pillars of wealth creation. My name is John Stiles with Bridge Realty, and I'm excited for another great episode. Today, we have the pleasure of having Brian Doyle as our host of Pillars of Wealth Creation. And uh, Brian, if you remember, was on our show way back in episode number 38. So that's about a year and a half ago, approximately. And uh, so be sure uh, after you have listened to this episode, go back and listen to episode 38 so you can catch up on some of the conversation from that. Um, but I want to briefly introduce who Brian is. Uh, Brian was a past president of the Minnesota Real Estate Exchangers. He is on the board of directors at the Minnesota Multi-Housing Association, which is about a 2,000-member association. He owns roughly 60 rental units. He is also a limited partner in roughly 500 other rental units. And in addition to all that, Brian is married with three kids, and he also has a full-time job in addition to all of this real estate investing. So, Brian, uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, that's awesome, John. Thank you for, uh, thanks for that introduction. I like it. So, uh, that was fun. And uh, so, Brian, tell the listeners maybe a little bit update of anything that's happened in your life and in your business since uh, you were on the show last. All right. So last time I was on the show, best show ever, I would say number 38. So that was kind of fun. And uh, yeah, so last time was about a year and a half ago. And um, so what did I, what have I been up to since then? I've been up to some kind of fun stuff. So uh, I didn't buy a ton of stuff in 2018. Um, I did this year, 2019, buy, I mean, I bought a couple of condos, but this year I bought um, uh, five more rental units, uh, all condos, uh, paid cash for all of them. And, um, and yeah, I think they're all each in their own little uh, uh, deal kind of good. So five units, you know, a lot of people would say, who cares? But 
that increased my portfolio by about 9%. So 9% growth in one year or the first half of this year, I'm pretty excited about it. So that's kind of fun. So great. And, and with your condo portfolio, are those primarily in the Minneapolis metro area or do you invest elsewhere? Yeah, no, I call them the condo portfolio definitely because they're mostly condos. Uh, most, of, most of them are in the New Hope area or the Hopkins area. Um, I like those two areas because the uh, barrier to entry is small. You can get some decent values in those areas. Um, you know, everybody would like to own and, uh, you know, the, the real ritzy areas, but then your, your returns aren't there. Uh, also I don't want to own in the real rough areas either. Your returns are higher, but I just don't want to do business there. So that's kind of what I like about Hopkins and New Hope a lot. Um, also those two cities are very friendly to landlords and the fact that if you do a good job, I mean, most cities are like this, but if you do a good job they're going to kind of leave you alone. If you, if they tell you to fix something and you fix it immediately and you fix it a little bit better than they even ask, you're, you know, they're going to, they're going to appreciate that. Right. Um, there's other cities. I own three properties in Duluth and uh, three single family houses that are rent to college students. Um, Duluth is a tough city to do business in. Um, I, I'm not a fan of their, of their land, of their uh, inspection department. Um, just, just this year, since the last episode, I actually had to spend four or $4,500 maybe on moving a pipe in this hundred year old house. The pipe has been there, my guess for a hundred years. Um, and it's been a, uh, I've owned that property for almost 20 years. That pipe has been there ever since I had it. And it's always been a bedroom right in that area. And the city of Duluth came in and said, ah, I don't, we don't like this pipe. We need you to move it. Well, that, that provides no value to the tenant. You know, it's not like I can get more rent because there's no pipe moving through the, through the room anymore. And, um, you know, so would I buy, I wouldn't buy in the city of Duluth anymore because you can't predict your future expenses. Um, it's bananas and ridiculous and they punish good landlords. So, uh, so why have I continued to buy a new Hope and Hopkins? That's why, because the cities are awesome. There's a good rental base. There's good housing stock. You know, the price point is, is not the low, not the high and the, and, uh, and it's just a fun place to work. So that's what, that's where they are. Yeah. Well, you know, Brian, you touched on a really important, you know, piece of investing and in, that is the, the friendliness of a city to landlords. Yes. Um, I don't know if you do a lot of investigating for other cities, but how, how would you recommend that an investor kind of find out if a city is friendly to landlords or not? Love that question because it's a big deal, right? I mean, the city of Minneapolis has got some crazy things going on right now. They've got a lot of crazy proposals and uh, they're talking about, I mean, we, this is, we don't need to get into all of them, but they're one of them they're saying is you can't do, uh, you can't discriminate for somebody having a felony, you know, uh, as long as the felony was over uh, three or five years ago. Well, they could, in, with this proposal, the, the person could get a felony, spend seven years in jail, 
and it's it's from the when the felony they received the felony not when they like got out of jail for it so they could they could spend seven years in jail come to your come to your property immediately after that and you can't discriminate against felonies you know um there's just some stuff that you know 99 percent of the world is really good renters you know and they don't want to live next to that person either so uh city of minneapolis is a good example i wouldn't buy in the city of minneapolis um you know i think the best way if you're a new investor or whatever to is to get involved with your associations. You know, I mean, you mentioned it that I'm on the board of the Minnesota Multi-Housing Association. I'm super involved over there because one, it's a great organization, but two, you meet other people that are, you know, you could just ask, you know, hey, what what cities are good and what cities are bad? I've heard the city of St. Louis Park, Minnesota is is tough to work with. I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that. So I'd have to investigate that further. But um, that's something you'd want to check out, right? So, yeah, yeah. So that's a good thing. That's a, that's one thing I'd look into. So, yeah, very good. Okay, well, you know, I think on your previous time you were with us on the show, you talked about having smart goals, and I don't think we got to really dive into that a lot. Uh, is that something you'd like to go into more? Uh, I'd love to, John. I'd love to. You need to have goals in life, right? Because if you don't have goals, you don't know where you're going, right? And even if you write them down and they're totally – here's why people don't write goals down, in my opinion, okay? Yeah, they're afraid to limit their goal, you know? Uh, they're afraid to say uh, – like, let's say you're a real estate investor and you say, I want to own 100 units, you know? Well – you're afraid to write that down because you're like, well, maybe I want to own a thousand units or maybe I get into it and I realize I don't want to own a hundred units. I only want to own 10 units. It's like, so what? Just write the freaking goal down. You know what I mean? It's like, and the reason you write it down is because then you can start making an action plan to get there. Okay. So I have like on my wall over here, I've got my smart goals and I write the date on it. And then I say, okay, uh, you know, originally it said I want to have 100 units, I think. I don't know. Uh, because that was my goal for a long time. Well, then I did the math and, you know, I started kind of chugging along in real estate. And I said, no, I, I really want to own, uh, maybe I was feeling extra ambitious that day, but I was like, I want to own 10,000 units, you know? So then I just wrote out a 10,000 unit one, slapped it right on top of the old one, right? And then it's like, okay, well, how are you going to achieve that? Okay. And anybody that, you know, emails me or I don't know if you, if you put in the show notes or something like that, but I can give them this document that I use, you know, with the smart goals. And, um, and then, okay. So then back to 10,000 units. Now I'm at uh, 298 units. Okay. And how did I get there? I talked to my accountant and he said, he thinks 298 is the magic number where you can have enough income to support a staff and you've hit that critical mass where you, it can kind of run on its own. It can support the office staff. It can support the maintenance staff and it can kind of just run on its own at that point. So by no means are goals, uh, they're not set in stone. Just write it down and just scribble something down and then tomorrow change it, you know? But like, if you write your goals down, then you create a roadmap. So, um, on this sheet of paper that I use, there's a thousand of them out there, but it says, write down your goal. So I'm going to write down, uh, 300 or 298 units. 
And it says, is this goal measurable? So that's the M in SMART, okay? Well, uh, you know, yeah, it's measurable. It's a very, it's a quantitative thing, right? Or qualitative, I don't know. I wasn't an English major. <laughs> so it's a measurable thing though, is what it is. So that's good. The question next is, is it attainable? Well, heck yeah, it's attainable. I'm not saying I want to own 100% or 120% of all the real estate in the United States. You know, that would not be attainable because you can't own over 100%. So is it attainable? Yeah, I think that's very attainable. Okay. After that, it says, do, is it realistic? Um, that's the R of SMART goals. And then I think it's realistic. And then timely, what date will this goal be achieved on? Okay, so let's say you say, I want to own it by when I'm 55. I happen to be 42 right now. That gives me X number of years. Okay, and then if I need to, then, okay, so now I need to achieve it. So now what do I need to do? Okay, if I want to own 300 units and I'm only at 60 right now, I got to I gotta divide by how many more units I need to buy. And then just put it down. Like in 2020, I want to buy two units, you know? In 2022, I want to have five units. You know, I mean, you could write it. You can get as detailed or not as you want about these things, but the but the but the but the key is writing them down. Yep. So, this, what does the S stand for in Smart Goals? Uh, specific. Oh, specific. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So you know, you need a specific goal. You know, you can't say I want to own more real estate because you'll never know if you can get there. It's not measurable. You know, so, um, so yeah, so that's that. I mean, you know, and then if you listen to some other speakers like Car Grant Cardone, you know, he'll say, now just for fun, take that and 10 exit. Okay. So let's say, let's say I want to get to a hundred. Okay. Well then it's, or let's say I want to get to, uh, let's say I want to get to uh, 300. Well, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to budget and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to, you know, live on less than I make, which is all super, super important. But that, uh, the way I'm going to get to 300 is different than how I'm going to get to 3,000. You know, 3,000, I'm like, okay, now I got to, now I got to think about, okay, if I'm going to 10 exit, you know, then I got to get to 3,000. Now I got to partner with some banks. I got to look at bigger deals. I might need to bring on some partners. I might need to syndicate, you know. And then what if you 100 exit? You know, what if you wanted to get to 30,000 units? There's companies that own 30,000 units. So go and talk to them and see like, okay, now, now I'm going to get to 300 units. I get there one way. Okay. It's different how I get to 3,000. It's different how I'm going to get to 30,000. So now if I'm going to get to 30,000 units, in my opinion, what would be a good way to do that? Well, maybe you go and you work for a REIT and figure out how they did it. You know, maybe you say, I'm going to donate, uh, you know, for, I'm going to donate six months to a REIT, you know, and I'm going to go to the REIT and I'm going to say, Hey, I would like to work with you guys. You pay me no salary for six months. If I prove my value, then you can start paying me 500,000 a year or something. I don't know. You know, if I don't prove my value, kick me out day, you know, the day after that. But yeah. it's like, there's no downside for them. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. That's why you need goals because you need goals. And you need to know where. Yeah. And oh. if your goal is to buy one, I'm sorry, John, if you want to buy one piece of property, go buy, write it down. Yeah. I want to own one piece of property in a year. Yep. 
how are you going to do that? How would you recommend kind of uh, scaling that over a time period? So for example, if the goal is 300 units and it, maybe the time period is, let's say 10 years. Okay. Well, it's going to be easier to get from 200 units to 300 units than it was to get from zero to 100. Totally agree. So it's I, probably easier to go from 200 units to 300 units than it is to go from zero to one. Yeah. I it's mean, tough. it's tough. That first year, it's tough. Well, I'm glad you asked that because in my notes from last time, I also had some action plans. So let's say you have zero units right now. Okay. Step number one, before anything, is decide if real estate's right for you. Because there's so many people that talk about it. Oh, I want to own real estate. I want to own real estate. I want to own real estate. It's like, do I want to get married. You know, it's like, do you really like, like it, marriage is great and real estate is great, but there's, you know, there's, there's certain things. You've got to decide what you want to do. If you want to own real estate, then it's like, then, then, then you've got to be the most tenacious person alive and go get that goal. If you don't want, if you, if you want real estate, then go get it. If you don't want it, you know, or you kind of want it, or you want to maybe see if it's right for you, then, then, then go see if it's right for you. But like, if you say, I'm going to go buy real estate, then nothing I do between now and a year from now is going to be, everything I do from now from a year now is going to be dedicated to finding real estate. You're going to find some real estate. So number one, decide if real estate is too for you. Right after that, and, and the most important thing in the whole wide world, in my opinion, is you got to get on a written budget. If you don't get on a written budget, I mean, you got a bunch of kids, right? Like how many kids do you have, John? I've got four now. Four kids. That's awesome, right? They are very hungry people, right? Like they have a lot of stuff going on. You know, they got sports. They got, you, everybody in America needs to be on a written budget. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people are like, well, I want, I want to buy some real estate. Okay. You know, um, I've got this $5,000 or $10,000 and I want to buy some real estate with it. Okay. Well, number one, $10,000 doesn't buy a lot of real estate anymore. Okay. So you've got to figure out how you're going to accomplish that. Maybe you, maybe you buy a condo, you know, where like you can uh, put $10,000 down and then get seller financing or something like that. That's a whole nother strategy, right? But you've got to get on a written budget. Why? Because so many people, I mean, like, it's like an obscene amount of people live paycheck to paycheck. Okay. And it's not because you don't make enough money. You know, the studies show over and over and over again, people that make a lot of money are living paycheck to paycheck and people that are living a, a little bit of money are living paycheck to paycheck. Okay. And, you know, um, you've got to get on a written budget because you've got to create discretionary income. If you, if you have five grand and you lose it, okay, you, you're going to be terrified that you, you won't buy real estate because that five grand is like, is this precious little thing that you, you can't lose. You don't have the luxury of losing. That's your, that's your safety net. You can't, you've got to have that five grand. So real estate's not for you in my opinion. You know, if you, if you're saying, listen, I'm going to get on a written budget and I'm going to save $500 a month. Okay every month then you are going to then if you lose the 500 five grand you're like okay that sucks but who cares because next month i'm gonna have five grand or 500 and next month i'm gonna have 500 and it and it's and it's kind of i don't say it's play money but it's, it's kind of like 
it's money you've allocated for a more uh, a riskier type investment. Okay. Yep. Got to get on with it. Invest with our uh, emergency fund. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Although, yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm sort of doing that right now, which is yeah, I've been up every night being panicky about it. I'll tell you about it. But like, you know, but but it's like, yeah, I mean, you want to have real estate money, and you got to have a buffer, right? Um, and people think like. I mean, I, I touched on this last episode, so I don't need to get into it too deep, but people think like a budget is some sort of miserable thing that, you know, God, you know, I, who wants to suck all the fun out of your life, you know? Well, quite honestly, you're going to create more fun in your life because those dollars will, you know, be more allocated towards better, more, more fun per dollar, more value. Yep. So, uh, I mean, you got to do it. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a must. It's not even a suggestion. So um, Brian, I just want to touch on that briefly. You know, yeah. budgeting to me is like, I understand how important it is, but it's the most painful process in the world. Yes. Um, no. any Especially tips, yeah. Uh, tips and tricks that you use. I mean, do, is there a software you use like mint or, um, or, you know, quick, quicken or, you know, what do you use to make sure you're staying on budget? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, good question. So the number one way people get, the reason people get divorced is money arguments, okay? It's like you you got to be an adult and you got to go and, and do this, right? And it's tough because when you're married, you know, you've got, if you're, if you're a single, it's easy, right? Because you just say, well, I'm going to allocate my money where I want to go, you know, want it to go and I'm not going to allocate where I don't want to go. But if you're, you know, if you have a spouse, you know, then, then it's like, okay, they have an idea of where they want to spend the money and you have an idea of where you want to spend the money or how much money or, or whether you hire a tutor or whether you tutor at home, you know, tutor yourself or, you know, whether you go on vacation here or there, I mean, it's all things you've got to do. And, and I totally, uh, I'm lucky that my wife is, uh, is sort of on the same page as I am, you know, um, I might be a little bit more, um, frugal, if you will, you know, but it's good, right? It's a good thing. You look at it as positives. Like, so my wife likes to go to Arizona every year for Christmas. Well, first year I was like, well, why we can stay here and save you know three grand you know and, and you know but it's like okay let's try it you know well this has been some of the best times we've ever had in our lives down there you know so budgets are painful but then it's like i can feel better that it's like okay no we have the money to do this because we're not doing something else you know uh, people talk about opportunity cost. When we first did a budget, when I when I was first married, we were spending about I was spending about five hundred dollars a month at the bar, you know, and uh, and it shocked me, you know. But we were going out Friday and Saturday night in our twenties, you know, and it was easy to spend you know fifty bucks at the bar every time, you know, because you go out and you have dinner and you have a few drinks and you know and whatever, right? So it's it's money that. It, it's amazing if you do a budget, you'll be like, well, maybe I enjoy that activity, but I don't enjoy it to that dollar amount. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'd rather drive a, a leased Mercedes for $500 a month and not go to the bar, you know, or something like that. I mean, I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't have a leased Mercedes, but like, just as an example, there's an opportunity cost for everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, getting back to the practicality of it, how do you, 
uh, track to make sure you're staying on budget. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, sorry. I get I get pretty excited when I talk about budgets. Um, so I use Quicken. Okay. And uh, there's a ton of other programs that you mentioned them. Uh, Mint.com. Um, uh, I think Every Dollar. You know, Dave Ramsey has some program called Every Dollar. I think. Okay. Uh, I think those are all free. You know, I Quicken just works for us. Yeah. Um, it downloads right into the thing, and then we talk about it. And um, yeah, it can be a not pleasant conversation sometimes, you know, but it can also be a pleasant conversation. It's like, okay, hey, uh, you know, we have this amount of money to spend every month. What are we, how are we going to get the most fun out of this? You know, um, and you got to pay attention. Or how are you going to reach your goals, whether it's real estate or, you know, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is. So. Yeah, I absolutely totally agree with you. So I, I highly recommend, I think that is the most important step people miss when they're trying to buy a property, any property, is, you know, what, uh, what are you going to do? You know, how are you going to get them? How are you going to create passive income? Yeah. Or how, you, excuse me, how are you going to create discretionary income? There you go. Cool. So, hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building it by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. I want to invite you to join us at the North Star Real Estate Conference. This conference is September 20 and 21st in Minneapolis, and it's going to be packed full of a ton of great speakers. We've got uh, just a, a great group of people speaking. You can look at our lineup on our website, nreconference.com, and sign up there as well. We've got an early bird special. All you need to do is type in early bird, one word, and and uh, you can get $100 off. And that's good through August 10th. So make sure you sign up now. Take action. Look, people that take action and value their education are those who are going to succeed. I know there's a lot of free content. My podcast is free. There's all kinds of free content out there. and Maybe even free meetups that you're attending. But this conference is going to blow your socks off. This is going to be well worth the price and all the profits go to charity. So it's definitely time to take action. Sign up now. Don't delay because the prices will go up. Um, but you know what? Every time I attend a conference, I 10x. Actually, I would say I'm more like a thousand X 
even my investment, a hundred, a thousand, potentially even more X my investment. I've met so many fantastic people. I've met investors at conferences. I've met potential partners at conference. I've joined mastermind groups because of conferences. So it's a ton of value. You cannot replace it. So check it out. NREconference.com. Thanks a lot. Anyway, so if you still own one unit, then uh, then what I would do next is I would get with a uh, mortgage broker. Uh, uh, oh, yes, I'd get with a mortgage broker, okay? Um, you know, if you have $10,000, you've got $10,000. That's, that's what you're working with, right? And that's, that's, that's a good chunk of change. So congratulations for getting that. Go talk to the mortgage broker and say, okay, I got this 10 grand. What do I need to do? Or go talk to another real estate investor. You know, at all these meetings like Minnesota Real Estate Exchanges, uh, Minnesota Multi Housing Association, there's meetup groups, you know, just walk out there and say, I got 10 grand. What do I do with it? You know, and uh, and hopefully you'll find some people that can help you out. So um, then I'd find a real estate agent, you know, because, uh, you know, people are like I'm going to do it on my own and all that stuff. And that's awesome. Uh, but uh but I'd go find a real estate agent. I think with buying your first property, you've got to just rip it off like a bandaid and, and do it. Yeah. And, and know that you'll lose that money. And people will be like, I don't want to lose that money. Be like, Dude, it's gone. Just be, consider it gone. Right. Consider it an education. People spend, how much do people spend on college? Like $200,000, like 50,000 a year. I don't even know what college costs. Just go buy, go buy something and be like, I'm going to lose this and it's going to be the best money I ever lost. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you go into that and you, then you don't lose it, then awesome. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Uh, and, and people might say, well, that's easy to say, but like, honestly, it's like, if you don't go, if, if you're on a budget, you've got the money to do it. People spend money on other things like boats and cars and, you know, things like that. You lose 100% of the money you, you go out to eat with. It's gone, right? There's no investment on it. But if you buy it in real estate, maybe you'll lose it, maybe you won't. So at least then you go there. So um, then next step number five, I can send all this to you. Uh, evaluate properties. You got to evaluate, evaluate, evaluate. You and I know that, right? If you evaluate 100, if you don't know anything about apartment buildings, you evaluate 100 apartment buildings, you're going to know a lot on that 100th property, you know? So I think you evaluate and then go, go make an offer and then go buy something, you know, go make some offers. Like, I think, uh, I think that, I think that, that I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. If you own, if you don't own any real estate right now. Yep. So it comes back to kind of making a decision that if uh, real estate is really going to be a part of your future, and yep. having a, a measurable goal, a smart goal. Yep. Uh, of how how much you're going to be involved in real estate and then yep. you know, working in your budget that it's you're going to make it happen. I love it. No, I totally agree. I totally, totally go. And then you got to be razor focused because if your goal is to buy real estate, okay, then every decision you make now till a year from now or whenever your, your, your date is should be, how does this affect my decision to buy real estate? So if you, you know, if you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Chipotle for lunch. Well, you know what? You can make a you can make a sandwich for a quarter, you know, every single decision you make from there to year should be on how you're going to buy that piece of real estate. Don't kind of have to do it. 
you know, you got to focus. The one is the hardest. Yeah. So do that. So, yeah. So that's that kind of thing. And then I'll tell you one other thing. I mean, compound interest is the most amazing thing on the face of the planet. Some, somebody like Einstein or somebody said that it was like the eighth wonder of the world, you know, and I'm sure I'm quoting that incorrectly, but maybe it's Warren Buffett or something. Somebody said that, right? But compound interest, a penny a day doubled for 30 days is $5.5 million. It's unbelievable. It's like unfreaking believable. Get your dollar, you know, buy one, you know, and then it just starts rolling. Mm -hmm. If you don't spend it all, if you, you know, you got to fight that urge to say, oh, well, now, I, now I've got this. Now I want to spend it all. So, so yeah, compounding interest and, uh, and then it starts rolling and all that stuff. So it's good stuff. Yeah, well, Brian, uh, this all sounds good in theory. And I think, you know, my next question for you is how do you make it happen? You know, especially, so I think you're a great example being that you work a full-time job you're married and have three kids and yet you've accomplished all these different things within your real estate business. How do you make time and, and just make things happen with that? Okay. Well, I, um, I love that question, John. Thank you for answering it. And, uh, that's a nice compliment. <laughs> I mean, there's petty people that own a lot more real estate than I do, but I tell you what a job, most people that have, most people have a job, right? Okay. And you need to have, if you have a job, that's a good thing. Cause it's not a bad thing. It's not a hindrance to buying real estate. It's a good thing. You're lucky you have a job to buy, you know, because, because you gotta, you gotta budget, you gotta create, you gotta create, um, uh, you gotta create discretionary income so you can buy real estate. Okay. So stop thinking of a job, not saying you said that, but in general, people need to stop thinking of a job as like a bad thing. Oh, I can't, invest in real estate because i've got a full-time job good for you that's what you should have that's probably step one go get some money right yep. so um so uh, when i first got out of college i uh i i sold windows to homeowners i was really bad at it because i didn't believe in the pro i believed in the product but i didn't believe in in the, the way they sold it which was payments and all that other garbage okay so then i went and i sold hazardous waste recycling services and it was fun it was a great time but it wasn't associated with the multifamily industry, okay? And I had bought a couple of rentals in college and I wanted to be in that industry, okay? So one thing, if you have a job and you're listening to this, one thing you might consider is switching jobs to be, if you wanna be in the, if you wanna be a, if you wanna own some subways, go work at a subway, you know? If you want to, or go be a vendor that sells to subway. You know, because then you're talking to subway owners all day. I wanted to sell, I have my, my full-time job, I sell blinds to apartment buildings, okay? And drapes to hotels. And I wanted to have a job where I could talk to entrepreneurs all day, every day. You know, my friend owns a title company, same thing. He's always talking to real estate investors and he just, he loves it, right? Um, so I think if you, if you have a job, decide if it's the right job. Now that's a big step to say, I'm going to quit my job and go be, go do another job in, in real estate. But let's say you're a construction worker. Well, maybe you want to go be a maintenance guy, you know, for a multifamily industry. They're dying for maintenance people right now in multifamily. So it's like, what a good way to, 
step into it while and learn the business while you're still making an income. Okay. And then, um, and then, uh, and then, oh, oh, and then, and then it's like, how do you find the time? Okay. I think you need to, whatever job you do, you need to be the best dang blank that ever lived. So if you're a drapery salesman or a blind salesman, you better be the best bl blind salesman that ever walked the face of the planet. And why? Because then they leave you alone. You know, your company, your company, I used to be our sales manager. You look at all the salespeople and you say, oh gosh, who's, who's performing and who's not performing? The person, you know, who are you going to, who are you going to spend your time with as the sales manager? Not the person sell, knocking it out of the park. They're already knocking it out of the park. They're doing a great job, you know? You're going to spend your time with these people that, you know, you're going to, you're going to micromanage the people that are at the bottom. Okay. So being a salesperson is just one example, but like, go be the best dang blank ever, you know, and maybe you're the best dang maintenance guy ever. So they leave you alone. You know, they'd say, Oh, Hey, take the, you want to take the weekend off, take the weekend off. Or if you want to take Friday off, take Friday off. You know, if you say, Hey, I really, really want to invest in real estate, but I got to go look at this property on Friday and you're the best maintenance guy they've ever had in their whole life, you know what they're going to say? They're saying, go for it. Good for you. You know, if you're the worst maintenance guy ever, then they're going to say, you know, just don't bother coming back, you know? <laughs> so you got to be the best person ever on a job. And then you got a time block. You got a time block. Now you're lucky if you're like you or I, or, you know, Todd even, or like, you know, well, Todd doesn't have a full-time job. He's got lots of jobs, but like, you know, us being in real estate, it's like, you got a time block. If you say, I'm going to get to it when I get to it, you're never going to get to it. Yep. So it's just like the goals. Just, just do it. You know, stop, stop thinking about it. Just do it. Go right now. You know, any listener, I would suggest go right now and, and set a time from 10 to noon tomorrow and say, I'm going to do X, which is work on my business, not in my business. Or I'm going to go 10 to noon tomorrow and I'm going to write my smart goals down. You know, if you get done in five minutes, then good for you. But you gotta, gotta, gotta write. You got a time block. It's super, super important. That's my, that's my, that's how I think you do it with staying busy. Yeah. Well, that's so. good. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, just time blocking, I know it's really important, you know, deciding that you're going to do it, taking things off of the to-do list and putting them on your schedule so that they yes. done. Yes, love that. Um, yes. So. I love it. Because if it's on your to-do list, what happens? You do the easy ones first, you know, or you do the ones that are, need to get done first. If it's on your schedule, it's like, oh, I, I only have one thing in that time frame. That's what I have to do. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. That's a good, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I think it's even important to have time blocked on your schedule, you know, do these to do the to-do list <laughs> so that. Yeah. I love that. Some little five minute tasks that build up on the to-do list and you love it. put some time aside for that so that when you get to the time when you're supposed to be doing the one important thing, that's going to take a half hour or whatever an hour. Um, nope distracted by these to-do items that are less important dude i love that john because the other thing with my sales i do the or sales job i do the same thing i'll say like tuesday morning or wednesday morning or whatever day it is then it's like i'll say i only 
I'm only doing outbound calls on this time. Because if I take inbound calls, then what happens? I, I don't get around to it, you know? And I like sales, but a lot of people are apprehensive about it, you know? So even for me, even though I like it, I still have to time block because if I don't, then I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'll make, you know, I've got a hundred unread emails in my inbox right now. You probably do too, right? Everybody does. And it's like, I got to, if I got to do that, you got to just pause your inbox and, 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 and time block. So, yep. Yeah, totally agree. I love it. So. Well, I feel like there's a couple of different ways I could go with this conversation from digging into your sales experience to digging into your uh, work with the multi-housing association. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but what else did you, is there anything else you wanted to cover since you're the host here? Um, I didn't know I was the host. I love it though. I'll be the host. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. It's my favorite story. And I'm so proud of it. Uh, you gotta be proud. You gotta be your own cheerleader. I think sometimes because if you're not, then, you know, nobody else is going to cheer for you. I mean, your spouse and your kids and maybe your buddies, but, uh, so my favorite, favorite story ever, uh, this is how I learned sales is the greatest profession on the face of the planet. So anybody that's considering sales, this is how I learned it. Okay. I was very lucky in Colorado Springs, I, where I, where I lived until I was like 12. Um, I was like 10 and I was a Cub Scout. Okay. Have I ever told you this? Maybe no. not. Okay. <laughs> it's my favorite story ever. So, uh, okay. So I was about 10 and they said to all our Cub Scouts, maybe it was nine, nine or 10, maybe, maybe 11. They said to all the Cub Scouts, they said, we're going to sell some popcorn, you know, to, uh, to the, the neighborhood. And anybody who sells the most popcorn is going to win a bicycle. And I mean, my eyes light up. I was like, a bicycle? Like seriously, like as a 10 year old, I can do something that will generate something tangible. You know what I mean? Which was a bicycle. And I said, everybody, I just stood up there. I was told everybody, I was, I'm going to win that bicycle. And they said, everybody, I mean, everybody said, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids in the district of Colorado Springs. You know, uh, there's a lot of people in our troop there, you know, uh, uh, you're only 10 you know, um, uh, manage your expectations. I mean, everybody told me that. Okay. Well, they were shooting you down right at the beginning. Well, they, but people do that even today. It's so funny. You tell them, I want to go buy a, build a skyscraper. And they said, well, yeah, set your expectations, you know, more realistic, you know? And it's like, okay. So anyway, yeah, shoot me down. I'm a 10 year old. They, they, they didn't want to see me disappointed. You know how like people protect people they're 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 not doing it out of uh they're not doing it out of uh, uh a, you know anger or being mean they're, they're trying to they're trying to make they're trying to be nice actually believe it or not believe it or not they're actually kind of nice. so anyways for so I, for whatever reason that made me more motivated right and for three weeks after school i went and i knocked on doors every night for three weeks and i got popcorn orders galore and I mean, I was like way away from my house. I was probably like two miles away from my house one time. And it was like nine o'clock at night. And like, they're like, where do you live? I'm like, ah, oh, just down there. You know, I'd ride my bike over to places. Anyways, long story short, I won the bicycle. 
And I learned something that moment. They said, if you work, you don't even need to work that hard, honestly. If you work a little bit harder than everybody else, you'll have anything you want. You know what I mean? All the other kids complain, well, I, you know, my parents wouldn't take me out or, you know, or, uh, you know, there's too many other kids or some other kid's going to win that contest. And, you know, it's like all the same excuses that people give even now. And it's like, if you just go for it, then you'll have more than anybody will ever have. So, so, so you're saying sales. I think sales is the greatest job ever because you, you, you're, you can, you can create anything you want, you know, you can absolutely create anything and you have the flexibility to, you know, to work on real estate when you're not doing it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Because nobody can sell 40 hours a week, you know, at least. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, sales, that's that's the thing. It's the same with selling real estate, right? You knocked on 400 doors, if I remember that story, right? Yeah, yeah. I've done, you know, I haven't knocked on doors recently, but I there I was doing that earlier. And I, I loved it, though. I probably need to get back to more of that. It was terrifying, that first door, I bet. <laughs> Maybe not for you. <laughs> No, um, how do you, how do you do that with, um, with your, if I can dig into your current job, um, yeah. I'm not sure if you can share about it, but do oh, you, of course. Uh, when you're calling apartment owners to sell them blinds, I mean, how do you, do you, are those warm clients or those cold clients or leads? Or? Um, so, uh, so that's a little tricky, right? So, and it's not tricky because it's physically tricky. It's just tricky because, um, so to make to for to sell blinds, it's not that profitable, honestly. The blinds are cheap, right? I mean, they're not cheap. They're they're just not they're not expensive. Okay, so you know, I might make a couple bucks a blind, or, or not even that. I might make a buck a blind or something. You know, like in commission. Um, so you really need to sell to the bigger owners. You need to sell to the units that are doing, you know, 250 new construction units or, or huge renovations and things like that. You can sell the day-to-day the -day stuff. So I think blinds, being in the blind industry is awesome because you're in that industry. But I really, unfortunately, sadly enough, I don't really get into the, you know, the buildings like I want to own, like the 10 and 15 and 20 unit buildings very often. A lot of those people go buy them at Home Depot. Yeah. which is fine because it's, I can't spend a half a day selling a blind, you know, it, there's not, there's not enough profit margin there. So is most so, of your products going into new construction then or large renovation? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but with that said, is like, I just met with a guy yesterday that um, had a new building and he always orders his blinds for me and, and it made no financial sense for me to go over there and sell him blinds, you know? But it was kind of fun. I wanted to go see his new building and he had a, a little 18 unit building and he was all proud of it and it was super cool and it was like kind of, you know, newer construction and, you know, it was, it was fun. So there's a good example where my job allows me to get into all these other buildings and then I can ask the guy, well, what, you know, what'd you pay for this building? Like, are you making any money off of it? What does this thing rent for? You know, it's just a good way to get into it and learn about it. So that's why I think being a vendor is super nice, you know, or a real estate agent, you know, same thing. So, yeah. So kind of fun. when you're calling on somebody who either is a cold prospect or warm, 
um, yes. you know, going back to that, you know, is it scary or whatnot? What is your kind yeah. of strategy for approaching, maybe, maybe even psyching yourself up to get ready for that call? Oh, I love that idea. Okay. So in order to, in order to, uh, you, you almost need to get into the zone, right? You can think of like Peyton Manning or, you know, any of Tom Brady or any of these like fantastic athletes, right? They have to pump themselves up to get into that game, right? I mean, and, and sales is a game, man. You got to get ready to go get, get in there, right? And you got to love it and you got to know what you're doing, right? Or you got to know why you're doing it. So um, in sales, it's like a lot of times I'll be like, okay, I better have a cup of coffee before I go visit these people, you know? I better uh, wash my hair. I better wash my car. You know, I'm taking them out to lunch. I better, you know, it's a prep thing, right? You got to make sure you're ready for that, for that thing. And then um, the other thing that's really great about sales, at least one strategy I've, I used to do more because I've been doing, doing it for so long with the same product, but I would take my pro my, I would take a piece of paper out and I would write down everything that every objection that i cross my fingers and hope they don't tell me you know uh like for blinds oh i really hope they don't say your your blinds are too expensive you know uh well okay if if that's what you're so concerned about write it down ahead of time in the comfort of your own office and say okay what am i going to say if somebody says your blinds are too expensive you know what i say why can we sell our blinds at five dollars or ten dollars or whatever and they're only selling their blinds for nine dollars it's because we have a better product you know now you want to make sure you can back that up and that's the truth, you know, but you, you got to believe in your product. If you don't believe in your product, you'll never be successful in sales in my opinion. Okay. But so like, okay, so I'm going to write down, I hope they don't say that I, that my blinds are too expensive. If I, if they do, this is what my answer is. Okay. What's the next thing? Oh, I always buy your, 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 it takes too long to deliver your blinds. I can go over to home Depot and get them. Okay. Well, how am I going to answer that? Well, I don't know about them or me, but I, my blinds ship right to your door. You know, are you going to, you're going to get in your car and drive over to Home Depot and you're going to, you know, that takes like an hour and a half, two hours, yep. you know? So that's bananas, you know? And then, you know, so you just go down the list, whatever your product is, that's what you, oh, I'm already working with a real estate agent. Okay. Well then I suppose that one, that one, you got to say, okay. But, uh, but like, oh, I, uh, my brother-in-law is a real estate agent. I haven't signed anything, but I'm thinking about working with him. It's like, okay, you're going to leave. You know, I would, if I were you, I wouldn't leave my largest transaction to my brother-in-law because you need to have somebody that you can fire, you know, because if they're not doing it, doing the right thing, then you've got to have somebody that you can push hard and, and get rid of if you need to. So, yeah, so. yeah that's huge. Uh, we kind of, a lot of times just kind of shoot from the hip and uh you know just go in unprepared and maybe look kind of silly as we're yep. fumbling over our words uh totally agree if we know the product ahead of time the product or service and uh know the competition yep objections and are prepared with a couple of different answers to those objections yes yes a lot more confident and and convincing uh, when those objections are presented to us I totally agree. And somebody else, so I'm totally plagiarizing this idea, but uh, somebody else showed me this once and they showed all these pictures of these great athletes, right? 
and uh and great speakers and all this stuff and they're like what do these people do differently than you do you know and they're like well they're the top of their game they're the best of the best it's like yeah but what do they do differently on a daily basis back to your hump day hustle thing it's like they practice 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 then execute what are we doing myself included what am i doing i'm executing 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 all day you know i'm not practicing you know Maybe you need to sit down and, you know, make, make 10 phone calls to uh, random strangers and just practice, you know, I don't know, you know, and, and then it's like, okay, well, those are all just practice, you know, or maybe I practice in front of the mirror or something, you know, but um, you got to practice, 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 practice. Yep. Same with evaluate, evaluate, evaluate apartment buildings, you know, eventually you're going to get to one where you're like, oh, this, this does make sense. Mm-hmm yeah so yeah totally agree yeah sales is sales is a the science behind sales is is awesome and you know what i'll tell you one other thing john even in my own job uh i'll tell you this because i i just love bragging about myself i guess but i'm so excited about this story and maybe this is the chance i get right to tell it but when i first started with my blind company there was a uh all these plaques on the wall okay and these plaques all said um one million dollar club one million dollar club one million dollar club then there's one plaque that said four million dollar club i was like who the heck is this guy why do they sell four million they're like oh manage your expectations that was one guy back in the day when we used to sell drapery to uh, apartment buildings and um and uh and, and he had a staff of seven people and all this stuff right don't 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 judge yourself against this guy and i said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be on that plaque you know and uh took me uh let's see four it took me two years to get on that plaque to sell four million dollars and nobody else had sold that and it's like how did you do it you know because it's like you write it down on a goal and then you say how do i do it okay if your goal is to sell four million dollars or four times what everybody else is selling at your company you've got to write it down okay uh, how am I going to get there? Well, I'm not, everybody else is calling on apartment buildings to sell them one and two blinds. I'm going to go and sell the new construction. You know, a new construction job can be $300,000 for blinds. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's a lot. That's a big difference. I'd rather sell one of those a month than, or a week or whatever, than, uh, than this other, you know, uh, a $10. Blind. So you, it starts with the goals and then you create a plan to get there. That's huge. So, and I don't like bragging about myself. I got to take that back. But you got me all fired up. So I like it. Well, that's good. You know, like you said, sometimes you're the only one. <laughs> exactly. Take advantage of the time, opportunities you have. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it all goes back to goals and setting them and getting it done. And I mean, you know that, obviously, you know, with your podcast. Dude, congrats, by the way. How many episodes you got now? Oh, we're almost at 200, so. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations, John. Quite a journey here, so. Oh, yeah, I bet, I bet, so. Well, well cool, man. Brian, I think we should kind of wrap things up, but any last thoughts or uh, ideas you want to share with the audience here? No, I think, I mean, you know, we kind of focus on on goals, this, this, this conversation, which I think is awesome. I, I, I think they're important. I think 99% of the people that listen to this will not write anything down. 
you know i mean i really do feel that way i i and that's too bad but so that's why when you're sitting there saying well i'm gonna write them down dude you're already ahead of the game you're already that little cub scout that says they're gonna win you know because you're because everybody else just gives up before they start you know so you know so i'm i'm telling you write them down you know and just do it and just do it and if you hate it then throw it away the next day but who cares yep but just do it so that that'd be my parting advice <laughs> okay well great uh and brian you've mentioned a few things you might be able to share with the audience uh what's the best way that people can get in touch with you so email's great right you shoot me an email and i'll respond to it personally and um and uh and my email is brian b-r-i-a-n at doylepropertygroup.com so that's B-R-I-A-N at doylepropertygroup.com. And shoot me an email. I'll be happy to send out those documents. Okay. Yeah. If you fill it out, let me know and I'll, and I'll celebrate with you. Very good. All right, Brian. Well, we appreciate you being on the show. And also to our audience, uh, if you are listening, be sure that you can know you can view this as well on YouTube. If you're watching this, you can listen on the go on your podcast favorite podcast player. Uh, we'd appreciate your interaction, your five-star review um, on iTunes and um, be sure to check out, you know, subscribe so you can uh, check out the next episode that comes out. So Awesome. I'm subscribed. Wonderful. All right. <laughs> Sounds good, John. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, Brian. All right. See, see you around. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go again, Go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day, and as I say, make every day a Saturday.